0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and I trust that you've been tuning in to this incredible series on the book of Romans. We've been filming it now almost this entire year, chapter by chapter. We've probably done about four programs per chapter, and we are enjoying this study. I trust that you are. Uh, We are going to start today uh, talking about the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. And uh, I, I think that this whole series has really enhanced me to be able to really kind of reaffirm some of the areas of faith that I think are being challenged right now. Um, by a lot of stuff that I see perhaps even on social media. It's amazing to me the multiplicity of opinions when you start talking about Scripture and the Word of God, and some of it is um, extra-biblical and has no real biblical balance to it or basis. And so I really am trying to stay focused on what does the Word say. You know, and, uh, you know, even uh, the Apostle Paul said... uh, uh, in, I believe it is, the book of Galatians, he said, nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? And when we begin to look at the Scripture, and we begin to dig around in it, it's just like a treasure trove of truth. Let me say quickly again, that if you've missed any of this series, I'm telling you that these are literally Bible courses Uh, that you would have to pay a great deal for in Bible College. But they are available at least for a limited amount of time on our YouTube channel. And uh, you can go there and watch them at your leisure and pause them or share them on your Facebook page or whatever you'd like to do. It it is there on our channel. Also on our podcast, uh, uh, you can go to uh, I believe it's Spotify, uh, and, uh, uh, and listen to any of our podcasts. And then um, the, the easiest way to do any of that, though, is to go to my website. We encourage you to do that at linhiles.com In the upper right-hand corner, there are icons of an Android-looking device. That will take you to the Android feed of the audio portions. Uh, it, uh, there is one that looks like a, uh, the icon for Apple, and it will take you directly to the podcast and then there is a link to the YouTube channel. that will take you directly to those channels. Go there and sign up. Let me also say, I, I, I really don't spend much time talking about some of this stuff, but all of our products and materials are on that website. We also have a streaming service for a message of the month club, which is a message that we preach somewhere uh, every week or every month we send it out. And uh, if you go to the digital form of that, and once again, you can do that through my website as well, uh, then you will have access to a treasure trove of past message of the months for several years worth once you pay your uh, your monthly fee uh, or your yearly fee, which is... Uh, I, uh, not very costly. You you can go there and it will give you the streaming service. So that's a good way to become a partner with us and to help us with the gospel. Of course, you can always sow a seed into the ministry through our PayPal portal there on the website or by just scanning that, uh, that code on the screen. Let's go into the Word today. Uh, last week we finished up by talking about the last chapter, which was the book of Romans chapter 9, but actually the last verse of Romans 9 really begins to set us up for what the 10th chapter of the book of Romans is about. Because uh, he was talking about, you know, all the way through the gospel, not the gospel, yeah, the gospel, but all the way through Paul's letter here to the Romans, he is talking about moving from a legalistic mindset to a faith-based salvation. And we see, especially in chapter 4, when he talked about Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now let me just, uh, let me deal with this last verse a little bit, because it's really dealing with, as we come into the 10th chapter, it's really dealing with the fact that, that Israel, And the Jews as a nation are about to miss the promises of God by not believing in faith for what God wanted to give them. So faith really is the currency of the new covenant. It's by grace through faith. In other words, both of those, grace and faith, to me, are the dynamic duo. The grace side of it is the objective side of the gospel. It's what God did in Christ without any help from us. The faith side is how I access this grace by faith, in other words, it's like somebody puts something on my account, but if I don't believe it's there, I'll never make the withdrawals and so we're going to come and talk about this a little bit uh, today because I think it's very powerful, but uh, as we get down through here, we're going to see some things even concerning you know I was thinking about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it is it is an issue of faith. Let me just get into the Word and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of unpack this a little bit. Romans the ninth chapter, I want to le- read the last verse because it's kind of the setup for this. It says, why? This is verse 32, Romans 9, 32. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So he's talking to uh, these insider Jews, so to speak, in uh, Romans, and tell them they, they, they're missing the promise of God, and they're missing the righteousness, which is by faith because they stumbled at the stone uh that the stumbling stone which was Christ he was the the stone the builders rejected was becoming the head of the corner that everything would be measured by that chief cornerstone and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame and then he from that springboard remember now in the original writings that the book of Romans is a letter it's it's meant to be read in one setting. In other words, if you received a letter from a friend, or from your spouse, or from one of your children, you don't read a paragraph today, and a week from now read the next paragraph, or a month from now we pull out a little bit of a segment of it. You read the whole letter to see the consistency of what is being said. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this study, is because I've looked at this book of Romans, not just as one text out of context, but the context of the whole picture of what Paul is writing here to the Romans. And so as we come through that verse that he talked about the stone of offense, or the stumbling block, which was Christ, but whoever believes on him, in other words, it's taking your focus off of Moses is in putting it on the work of Christ. For Moses gave us the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and grace for grace, and of His fullness have all we received. Now, uh, then it starts into chapter 10 and says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal of God, sealed for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. Watch, that's so powerful to me. We we, we have to get this. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone who believes, for for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does those things shall live by them. Now I'm going to come back and pick up the latter part of this a little bit later on, but I really feel like I need to re-emphasize that the book of Romans is talking about almost all the way through it a righteousness, and is a righteousness by faith. Now righteousness does not mean simply that you glow in the dark. It really is a word that means that you've been put in right standing with God. But see, uh, what was happening is that Israel was trying to be put in right standing with God through the works of the law, except the end of the law is, we already saw it in Romans 1 and 2 and 3, is that there is none righteous, no, not even one, not even Moses, the mediator of that covenant, made it in by the works of the law, because God was trying to show us that it had to be by the hearing of faith, and you've heard me talk about this in prior segments, but the law was actually added because of a transgression, and that transgression was not just Adam's transgression, but it was the fact that they forfeited the Abrahamic covenant at the foot of Mount Sinai, where God wanted to make them a nation of priests and have personal relationship with every one of them and bring them into His presence and live among them, that they por- forfeited that relationship. If you read Deuteronomy 5 and some of the other backstory, where they said in their tents, "We're afraid of Him, Moses, you go talk to him, and whatever he says, we will do it." And they forfeited a relationship for a bunch of rules and they refused to believe God and they forfeited the Abrahamic covenant which only required faith. Last Sunday uh, I I was teaching, let me, let me see if I can pull up those notes from uh, the past Sunday. I was preaching at my home church and uh, I was talking a little bit about, uh, I was talking a little bit about um, Moses and um, I'm uh, not Moses, I was talking about Abraham. Let me see if I can find it quickly here. But I was talking about Abraham and how uh, he believed God, and faith was the issue that really brought him uh, into the favor of God. Now let me just see if I can find that real quick. Uh, there we go. And I was preaching from Psalm 50. Let me just read this to you from Psalm 50. It said, the mighty one, the God, uh, the, the mighty one, this is Psalm 50, The Mighty One, God the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down. Out of Zion the perfection of beauty... God will shine forth. Now I could take a long time on that verse alone, but I, I think it's interesting to note here that it's not out of Sinai where the law was given, it is out of Zion. Of course I, I have shared this over and over and over again if you watch my program consistently, that Hebrews the 12th chapter said, for we did not come to blackness and darkness, we didn't come to fear and trembling, we didn't come to a God who said if you touch the edge of the mountain you'll be thrust through with a dart.' That was Mount Sinai. But he says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. So the contrast here is Zion, Old Covenant. Mount Zion, New Covenant. And so he says, out of Zion the perfection of beauty God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about Him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that He may judge His people. Gather, my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is Judge Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices, or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take, I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. And uh, so he's he's saying to them, uh, if I was hungry, uh, I wouldn't ask you. In other words, we quote this song. uh, uh, Let me go down here, uh, because I want to catch something here that he said to Abraham. Uh, But in in the book of, of Genesis, Abraham is going to offer God a sacrifice. But stay with me just for a moment. He says in, in Psalm 50, I will not take a bull from your flock, nor a goat from your flocks. All the fowls of the mountain are already mine. We, we quote that as a scripture as if it is God wanting to meet our needs. I've, I've, I've used it myself. and said He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and we say, and all the taters in them. So God can supply your need. But that's really not the context of what this psalm is about. God is saying, I was never thirsty for the blood of bulls nor was I uh, 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 hungry for the, the, the flesh of fowls, or, or I'm not a bloodthirsty God that was looking for this. In other words, I, the, the, it was never about the sacrifice. That if it was about bulls and goats and all of those things, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you, because I already own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's already mine. In other words, anything we give to God is not because God needs something that we have. What God is looking for from us is somebody that'll trust Him enough to believe what He says, and uh, that will obey Him. He's looking, and he says in another place, for obedience is better than sacrifice, and to obey is better than the fat of rams. So what God was looking for was not so much Uh, the fat of rams, or the bulls, or the goats, or even offerings that we give Him. What He was looking for from them was simply someone that would obey Him. And, uh, you know, see, I think one of the things that I'm concerned about is that if God was hungry, would He ask us? Because what, what we do a lot of times is we go through a lot of rituals in our religious ceremonies. Maybe we don't bring bulls and goats. Maybe we don't bring the fat of rams, but we come sometimes, even our giving or we come in our service towards God as if these are just the sacramental things that we do as a ritual that has no meaning to us. My heart's not in it, and, uh, and on and on it goes, and to the point where God says, you know, I've had enough of that, and he tells them in Isaiah that, uh, you know, away with it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I, I'm not interested in just the rituals of what you do because what I'm looking for is somebody's heart. And if I were hungry, I would not ask you. But I think it is interesting that when you find uh, in the story of Abraham especially, that when God comes by the tent of Abraham, when He's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, He stops by the tent of Abraham. And what is amazing to me is that when God, who fills the heavens who stretches out the heavens and calls the stars by name, who, 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 who literally hung the stars in place and the constellations and all the galaxies that are out there, stops by the tent of Abraham. Now think about this a moment. And he stops by because he's found a man who's going to believe him. And a man who's been obedient. This man has a consistent record of get up, get out of your country from your kindred. Separate from Lot. Uh, You know, uh, by faith he left, by faith he sojourned, by faith, on and on the story goes, by faith Sarah herself conceives. He believed God, God was looking for somebody that would believe and see when he comes to the tent of Abraham Abraham says quick go make ready he said stay here let me wash your feet let me make ready a fat calf for you let me get some butter and bake some cakes on the fire in other words he was about to set at meat and feed god if god were hungry now I, he's not interested again in the butt of bulls or but he is interested in people and god would say to a man like that shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I am about to do, seeing he is my friend? And it's in that environment of obedience that God says I'm going to return to you the time of your life and Sarah's going to have this son. Now they've been waiting on God for a long time. I think Abraham was like 90 some years old and Abraham was in her upper I mean Sarah was in her upper 80s, but God was about to keep his promise because the Bible said that Abraham did not stagger at the promise of God even when he found that his own body was now seemingly dead. In other words, we've got to stop looking at our own failures, our own strength, our own ability, because the challenge here, even in Romans 10, is they are, they stumble at the stone of offense, and they are trying to establish their righteousness on the base of their, basis of their own abilities to keep the law of Moses, and they've not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. But what Abraham did was he looked at the uh, the, the infertility of his own body, and the infertility of, of uh, Sarah's womb, and he said, but you know what? Against hope, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to believe His and God counted it to Abraham for righteousness. And even as he takes Isaac up the mountain, you know, I, I think it's incredible that as he takes Isaac up the mountain, he says, Behold, Father Isaac says to him, this is probably somewhere around a 13-year-old boy, how he pried him out of the arms of Sarah to be able to go up this mountain to obey God, take now your son, your only son, up the mountain, uh, and offer him there as a sacrifice. And Abraham is taking his only son up the mountain because God wants to reveal something to a man of faith that's going to change the dynamics of the culture of his day because when he goes up the mountain and his son looks at him and says, behold the wood and the knife, but where is the sacrifice? Uh, 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 Abraham by faith declares, my son, God will provide himself, himself a sacrifice. And when he got up the mountain and he was about to put the knife into the chest of his only son Isaac, who was the heir of the promise who God had promised him for almost a hundred years, and now Abraham was willing even to lay the knife to that, God says, Abraham, Abraham. He, He speaks from the heavens and he declares it in the earth, and Abraham, because he knew the voice of God, heard the voice of God, Thank God that he, you know, I was thinking even when uh, the, uh, the prophet stood on the mountain, he said there, you know, there, there there came a a whirlwind, God wasn't in the wind. There came an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And there came a, 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 a fire, and God wasn't in the fire. Uh, but then there came a still small voice. I think sometimes it's not God who sends the fire, the earthquake, nor the wind. But by the time half that stuff has transpired in our lives, And all of that ruckus and noise has settled. We are able then to hear the whisper of God and the progressive word of God. And that word, thank God Abraham could hear it in the midst of it. See, I think sometimes after you've been through some stuff, you learn how to hear the voice of God when he starts to say, listen, uh, I'm going to speak a progressive word. Because what what you used to do under uh, uh, the paradigm that Abraham was probably used to was he lived in a heathen culture where they sacrificed their children to heathen gods. But God was about to show him, I'm not like those other gods. I'm not looking for your child sacrifice. I'm going to provide myself a sacrifice. And when he heard the progressive word as he was about to lay the the knife to uh, the son, one of the most powerful pictures of the redemptive work of Christ from an Old Covenant, or an Old Testament, not Old Covenant, but an Old Testament perspective was when God said, behold, a ram caught in the thicket. Hundreds of years later, they will cram a a crown of thorns on the head of Jesus, and he will see a ram caught in the thicket, and the sun to whom the promise was really made, who was the ongoing, if Abraham would have put the knife to Isaac there would have been no Jesus hundreds of years later because he was the seed through which the promise was made because it wasn't seeds as of many but to one seed and thy seed which is Christ. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so God had taken uh, uh, Isaac, uh, or Abraham had taken Isaac up the mountain but he heard the progressive word and the Bible says that Abraham received him as if he were raised from the dead in the figure. Because futuristically in the generations to come, God Himself would wrap Himself in human flesh and come and take all of the sin of the world on Himself and die the death that we had coming and then raise from the dead to bring us a deliverance from all of the curses uh, of uh, the Old Covenant, all the curses of Adam, and to redeem us and put us in a place where we could hear God. If God was hungry... He said, I would not ask you. In other words, what Abraham did was he believed by faith what God said. In the book of Romans, he's declaring to you that there is a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, and it's a righteousness that comes by believing what God did in the person of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus who was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the ram caught in the thicket to redeem us, That so that what God is looking for is somebody that will by faith believe that God raised him from the dead, and he goes on to say in the 10th chapter, if you believe that, then you will be saved. And so when you see this righteousness that they're trying to establish their own uh, righteousness on the basis of the law, we see that Israel is miserably failing, and he says, because they did not seek it, as it were, by faith, but by the works of the law. I think that we need to even think about this, even in Matthew, the fifth chapter, when Jesus is giving the Beatitudes, the whole Sermon on the Mount, as he comes down through that, he ups the ante of the law. And he says, uh, your law says don't commit adultery. But I say if you look on a woman to lust after you've committed adultery, your law says don't kill. But I, I said if you hate your brother, you're a killer. He's really addressing the heart issues here. But what he's simply showing you as you go down is that there needs to be a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, that would be like saying to a Catholic, you have to have a, a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pope the end result is you go, I'm done, I'm out of here, there's no way I can keep all of that. And he, you know, if you go down through Matthew 5, what you see is he's showing you not only uh, is he teaching at that point the law, he's showing you the impossibility of achieving righteousness on the basis of that, because he tells us in the last verse of Matthew 5, he said, he goes on to say, but be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And so he ups the ante and says, don't just try your best, don't just struggle with it, but if you, the only thing that the law will, uh, requires is that you be perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Well, I don't know anybody that's met that criteria. So what he's doing is what Romans 1, 2, and 3 says. He's concluding all under sin so he can have mercy on all. Because when you get to the book of Hebrews, it shows you that by one sacrifice, he has sanctified us, Hebrews 10 says, by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all, so that our sanctification is on the basis of a sacrifice. And then he comes on to say later in that chapter, that, 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 that he goes on to say, he sanctified us by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and, and that those who have been sanctified, he has also perfected on the basis of the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, so that our sanctification and our perfection in the new covenant is not on the basis of, did I keep every rule, did I cross every T, did I dot every I, the, the the righteousness that I have is to believe in the fact that He did, and then offered Himself on a sacrifice. What God is hungry for is somebody who can believe that report, and somebody who can stand. And you know, cause because Isaiah is going to challenge uh, in the latter part of this ten chapter, said, "Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed?" Well, it's to those who believe what Jesus did in His death, burial, and resurrection to cause us to live in righteousness. And so, you know, we're going to see some powerful things in this tenth chapter of the book of Romans that's going to help us to really uh, see that this sanctification and that this righteousness is not on the basis of what I've done, It's on the basis of what He's done. Abraham, Abraham, take your focus off of what you've got to kill, and put your focus on what God offered up on our behalf, and your faith will go to another level, and you will believe in the righteousness, and then salvation is come. Uh, man, that's, uh, that's some good stuff there. I, we're out of time. If you would like to sow a seed into this ministry, we really welcome that. There's a link on the screen where you can go do that via your credit card or, or debit card to our PayPal portal. You can also call the number that's on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. We will return your call. Or you can send a check on money order to the address that will come on the screen. We do need your help, so do it today. Thank you for watching us. Join us again next week.